today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. How do you starve it to death? Well, I know this is going to be deeply profound, but here it is. Stop feeding it. Stop feeding the flesh. Stop feeding the desires of the flesh. I'll take it further and say, stop putting yourself in an environment that's conducive to the flesh. Why would you want to do that? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. Do you know the areas you're most tempted in the flesh? If we're aware of our weaknesses, why would we want to put ourselves in a position of compromise and feed our flesh? Pastor J.D. poses this question today as he teaches from Galatians 5. Put on the Lord Jesus and run the other direction when you're faced with temptation. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. What exactly are these works of the flesh that, if practiced and loved as a lifestyle, will keep me from inheriting eternal life? Well, we have this list here before us, and it's important to note that it's not exhaustive, which is why Paul says... In verse 21, after he lists all of these things, he also says, and the like. In other words, things like these things. Meaning that there are many other things that could also have been included on this list. But here's the problem. We're all prone to just quickly read through a list like this, and we do so without really giving it any real thought. And when we do that, I think we do err greatly by virtue of the implications of each and every one of these works of the flesh that are listed. And by the way, this is going to be very germane to our understanding as we take a closer look at them, especially when we get to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the contrast being work as opposed to fruit. I love Pastor Chuck Smith's illustration in his book, Why Grace Changes Everything, one of the best books I've ever read in my life. And he contrasts the factory to the garden. What's in the factory? Work. What's in the garden? Beauty. Fruit. What do you see in the factory? Striving. Flesh. Sweat. Effort, production, noise. What do you find in the garden? Solace, peace, calm, quiet, fragrance, beauty. That's the life of the Spirit. That's the life of the Spirit as compared to the works of the flesh. And so the question should be asked, does my life represent more of a factory? Or does my Christian life resemble that garden that is fruitful and beautiful? Well, 
This is why I want to take a closer look at these works of the flesh. The first one that's listed as sexual immorality. And in the original language of the Greek New Testament, it's the Greek word pornea, where we get our English word for pornography. And it means and includes, among other things, adultery, which is sex outside of marriage, and fornication, which is sex before marriage. The next one listed is impurity. Some of your translations render it uncleanness. And it basically means that you're living a life of impurity. You're not living a pure and holy life in the power of the Holy Spirit. The third one is debauchery. It's also translated lasciviousness or licentiousness. These are not words we use in our vocabulary today. Licentiousness actually means doing anything without a license. Licentiousness, or perhaps better said, taking license to do whatever you want. Living as you please for the pleasures of life. The fourth is idolatry. And that basically means the worship of the idolizing of another god. And the fifth, very interesting, is witchcraft. And this, in the original language of the Greek New Testament, is the Greek word pharmakia, where we get our English word pharmacy. And this speaks to the use of drugs as a satanic gateway inducing an altered state of consciousness. And that's what that is referring to. The next ones are hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, which, if you really think about it, all go together. And here's why. Hatred due to jealousy, envy, and selfish ambition is what leads to discord, fits of rage, dissensions, and factions. And don't you find it interesting that these would be included in a list such as this? And not only what was mentioned prior, but how about the last two in verse 21. How about this? Drunkenness and orgies. What? Wait a minute. Are you, are you telling me that dissensions, selfish ambition, factions, cliques, divisions, striving, that all of that rises to the level of sexual immorality? Yeah. How is that possible? Well, think about it. How does that smell? You'll forgive the choice of that word, for lack of a better one. How does that smell to a holy and righteous God? Especially within the church. You know, we are prone to look at somebody who maybe comes from a past of alcohol or drugs, or maybe they had a 
bad past in their marriage. Maybe they are uh, divorced and we look down upon them with smugness as if to say they have committed the unpardonable sin while here we are over here in this corner with our cute little clique gossiping. And you're telling me that that doesn't stink to high heaven in the nostrils of a holy God? This should give us pause, should it not? Oh, pastor, you're very passionate about this. You better believe I am. You want to know why? Well, I'll tell you why, whether you want to know or not. (laughs) God is very protective of His church. And by the way, this is God's church. This isn't my church. It is my privilege to be the pastor of this, God's church. This is God's church. I have no right to impose my own vision on this, God's church. I just shriek in horror whenever I'm asked, what what is your vision for the church, Pastor J.D.? To which I usually like to, in a sanctified way, respond like this. (laughs) I don't have the foggiest idea, and aren't you glad that I don't have to? You know, I, my inbox is inundated with these emails. How to grow your church? Okay, two problems. Number one, <laughs> that's not in my job description. Number two, it's not my church. God's already given us the vision for this, his church, it's right here. It's right here. And excuse me, but if I'm not mistaken, the last time I checked in the book of Acts, it says that it's God who adds to the church daily as many as should be saved. You know what my job description is? It's actually, thankfully, quite simple. Three words simple. You ready for it? Here it is. Wait for it. Preach the word. That's it. That's it. That's it. My, my, my job application, so to speak, it would basically be one line. Preach the word. That's it. That's all I'm called to do. Well, there is one more thing on top of that, and that is to love the people. Preach the word and love the people. And I'm not so sure they're mutually exclusive because didn't Jesus, when he restored Peter after he denied him three times, say to him, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep? Wow. Wow. Well, there you have it. There you have it. You know, it's a sad day in the church when today you can have this self-righteousness, which is nothing more than spiritual pride. You know, it's interesting to note that we have similar lists elsewhere in Scripture, like this one here in our text today in Galatians. 
And one of them is Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'll read them quickly. Listen to this list and what he says. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then listen to verse 2. Set your minds, your minds, I want to talk about the mind, on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, dare I say, starve to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these... The wrath of God is coming. And then he says this, very interesting. These are Christians now. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. And then here's more on the list. And doesn't it sound a little bit uh, similar? Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. It wasn't that long ago, and this is heartbreaking, that pastors in the pulpit, from behind the pulpit, thought it was cool to start using four-letter words so they could be relevant. Well, (sighs) filthy language, filthy words coming out of your mouth should never be named amongst a Christian, let alone a pastor. It should never come from our lips. Verse 9, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. There may be coming a day in the United States of America where a pastor just simply reading this will be put in prison under the banner of hate speech. You know what it says? Listen. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And here's the list. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, partiers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this, and I want you to listen very carefully to this. Because he's talking to the Corinthian Christians when he says this, and such were some of you. What? You mean they had people in that church that used to be homosexuals? Yeah. And then they got saved and they're no longer? Yeah. Well, wait a minute. I, I thought they were born that way. No. Only God can do that. Only God could do that. I hope you realize that the church is filled with saved sinners, right? 
as some of us were, the past that God delivered us and saved us out of, that's what we are. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. One more, and it's in Ephesians, which by the way is the next book when we're finished with Galatians. Chapter 5, let me read verses 3 through 5. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather, in other words, do this instead. Rather, giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, and here it is again, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. If you're sitting here today, and this is an apt description of your lifestyle, I want to implore you to come to the person of Jesus Christ and be saved, and be sanctified. So that it could be said of you as it was said of them, as were some were, past tense, not are, present tense, some of you. Let me close this way. If we ever are to have any hope of overcoming the lusts of the flesh, we must Put it to death by starving it to death. How do you starve it to death? Well, I know this is going to be deeply profound, but here it is. Stop feeding it. Stop feeding the flesh. Stop feeding the desires of the flesh. I'll take it further and say, Stop putting yourself in an environment that's conducive to the flesh. Why would you want to do that? It reminds me of many, many years ago. This is on the mainland. I was just a young believer, and this guy had just gotten saved. And he said, man, I'm really struggling with lust and women. So I'm going to go down to the nightclub and minister to the women. What? <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I struggle with alcoholism, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start a ministry at the bar. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to go down to the beach if that's an area that you're uh, prone to stumble in and fall because of? Why would you want to put yourself in a situation where you're making provision for the flesh. I want to end with this verse in Romans. I think it says it best. It's chapter 13, verse 14. And it's in the context of Paul saying that our salvation draws near. In other words, our redemption draws near. And it's time to wake up from your spiritual slumber and put off the deeds of darkness. And he has a a list there as well. And then 
he says this, instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and, please listen, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Don't put yourself in an environment. Don't put yourself in a situation. Um, To even have the appearance of it, any appearance of it, and maybe I need to now explain that since I said it. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Okay. Years ago, in fact, this was when I was on the mainland, I would always have the talk with my leadership, my board, my staff at the time, and I would always say to them, you will never be in a room alone with a member of the opposite sex that is not your wife or husband because of the appearance of it. You should never, and you better never, be driving in a car with a woman or a man that is not your wife or your husband just because of the appearance of it. It might be totally innocent. It might be totally innocent. But what about the appearance of it? The Apostle Paul says, flee all appearance of evil. Make no provision for it and flee every appearance of it. Run as far away and as fast as you can from it if you ever find yourself through no fault of your own, in a situation like that. Get out. Get out. If for no other reason, just because of the appearance of it. I think of Joseph with uh, his boss's wife, who would then later falsely accuse him of attempted rape, when she was the one that was actually (laughs) attempting to, you know, seduce him and have sex with him. And what does he do? He runs. He runs from that situation. And it's really interesting, the detail in the text, in the narrative. Uh, she was on him every single day. And then that one day, when she finally made her move, she sent all of the servants home so she was alone with him. And think about it. Here's Joseph. He's a young man prime of his life. He's a far, long way from home. Nobody would ever know. Nobody would ever know. And he fled. And he fled from it. And we would do well to do the same. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Galatians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask God to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. He will point you to the passages that he knows you need to read. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices, so you'll be able to take Pastor J.D.'s teachings with you on the go. We'd also like to tell you more about the Mideast Prophecy Update tab on our website. 
As followers of Jesus Christ, we are all eagerly anticipating His return to earth. We believe it's coming soon and that many events happening around the world right now are fulfilling the prophecies of the end times detailed in the Bible. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes a look at these events and what God's Word has to say about them and shares that information with us in the Mideast Prophecy Update. The purpose of these updates aren't to scare us, but to remind us how important it is that everyone know the redeeming hope of Jesus. These updates are new every week, so visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access the latest installments. That's all we have for today, but be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of Galatians. Keeping me right with the old way, holding me true.